Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with me. Kind of a dreary day here. And yes, a little fresh at minus 18. As we say, just hang in there. We know another Chinook is just around the corner. Well, as you heard in Tony's news, still haven't heard anything out of Edmonton when it comes to Premier Notley's emergency cabinet meeting in response to what we were hearing yesterday from B.C., talking about restrictions when it comes to bitumen coming into that province. We want to know exactly how we got here, where we can go from here. Joseph Doucette, Energy Specialist, Dean of the Faculty of Administration at the University of Alberta, joins us today. Hello, Mr. Doucette. Hello, Angela. Okay. I mean, just your initial reaction to what we heard out of BC yesterday in this latest, well, tit-for-tat almost when it comes to Kinder Morgan. Well, it's very unfortunate and potentially very serious. And I say serious not not just because of the impact on the pipeline in question, the, the, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but I think it's much more serious in terms of the potential impacts and long-term impacts uh, in terms of investor and business confidence in Canada. If we can't follow the rules, broadly speaking, and can't respect institutions such as the National Energy Board for due process, it really is a crisis of confidence in the ability of, of, of firms and organizations to do business in Canada and to respect the relative jurisdictions of different uh, levels of government. In this case, it appears to be, although I'm not a lawyer, it appears to be pretty clear that the government of British Columbia is dramatically overstepping its jurisdiction in a very thinly veiled attempt to uh, stop a pipeline that it doesn't like. Let's go into that veil. Let's lift the veil on this because yesterday the province of BC was talking about proposing new restrictions on shipments of bitumen that would flow through this expanded pipeline. What's your understanding of when they talk about new restrictions? Because I've heard everything from limiting it to banning bitumen from Alberta altogether to flow into Kinder Morgan's pipeline. Um, so good question. I, I, I can't say with certainty because I really don't know what the government of British Columbia is, is planning or thinking of doing, but it appears that they're, they're um, looking to use their, uh, their right to um, investigate environmental uh, conditions or envi- environmental impacts within their province, and that's certainly uh, a right that they have to to look at environmental conditions. It's a right that they have to to poll citizens and find out what British Columbians want to do. But they can't extend that right to attempting to indirectly restrict a. Um, interprovincial pipeline such as the Trans Mountain Pipeline, the existing or, or the planned um, increase in the pipeline, they can't um, directly or indirectly negatively impact that pipeline, which is under federal jurisdiction. They can't, because of a legitimate concern on, uh, on, on the condition of the shoreline, they can't restrict shipping, which is, again, a federal concern. So, so it, it's, I, I believe... 
attempting to play to uh, what is very clear sentiment in British Columbia uh, in terms of a respect for environmental conditions, a desire to have uh, a safe environment in British Columbia, which is certainly a legitimate concern on the, on the part of, of many in British Columbia. But you can't use that uh, in terms of the legal framework that we have with the separation of powers uh, between federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Joseph, a couple of things. I recognize that you're not a legal expert, so thank you so much. And also, I recognize that you, along with most Canadians, don't understand what's going on in the B.C. government right now. So thanks for doing your best to try to understand it. But when we even look at this idea of um, polling its citizens or looking deeper into the environmental conditions... This just sounds like something that we've already been through, through the NEB hearings that were ultimately approved by the federal government. So it almost sounds incredulous that uh, a government is trying to do this. Uh, Absolutely. And the uh, sad, sorry state that we find ourselves in uh, today with respect to to this whole situation. But we see this mirrored in many, many other uh, decisions relating to large infrastructure, whether it's power lines or roads or bridges. We see opponents of projects um, failing to acknowledge the jurisdiction of regulators or governments. And in this case, as, as you mentioned quite correctly, uh, the uh, National Energy Board recommended to the federal government, to the federal cabinet, approval of this project. The federal cabinet approved this project. The prime minister was very clear. He made the announcement. This project has gone through many hoops, uh, a great deal of analysis, and uh, that analysis included an entire chapter, I can't tell you how many pages in the final report, but an entire chapter on environmental concern and concerns and potential consequences. Um, I understand and appreciate and respect that some people might not want to see more bitumen shipped from Alberta through British Columbia. That is their right. The appropriate democratic independent institution, which is the National Energy Board, went through a thorough exam and looked at the project and determined that it is in the public interest of Canadians. And that does not mean that no one will be harmed by uh, additional construction of the project. That doesn't mean that there are, are no negative consequences. What it means is that on balance, there are more positives than there are negatives. Joseph, get into the uh, the fact that this is unconstitutional. Can you give me a little bit more detail when we have a province trying to stop something like this and how that falls into the Constitution? Yeah, so um, the, the pipeline, because uh, the pipeline crosses a provincial border, falls under the jurisdiction of the National Energy Board, and that means that the, the approvals required for uh, construction of such a pipeline or expansion, as, as is, is the case in the current context, context, are under the jurisdiction of the uh, federal regulator, the National Energy Board, and the Government of Canada. A provincial government in this case, and again, this is non-legal language yeah. because I'm not a lawyer, but mm-hmm. the, a provincial government cannot... Uh, impede or restrict that uh, federal jurisdiction 
through other means. So, so just because you don't like the decision, you can't use uh, other mechanisms, say your regulation of, of labor laws or your regulation of transportation within the province to say, for instance, uh, we're not going to let construction trucks that are associated with this project move through our province. We're going to remove their permits or something like mm. that. Uh, you're, you're not allowed to, and again, I don't have the appropriate legal language, but you're not allowed to uh, indirectly um, uh, restrict, or re- restrict yeah. that, 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 that federal um, authorization. Joseph, a lot of my listeners are happy that you don't have the legal language. We'd rather you be able to just explain it to us so we understand it. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, touch on, because so we're at this point where there's this emergency cabinet meeting going on. What would or does the the provincial government have in what Rachel Notley is calling their toolbox? What what could be some things that our government could send a message to their government saying we're not taking this lying down? Well, you know, that's a really good question. And um, I, I won't point to any specifics because I don't think that there are a lot of good options mm. for our premier in the sense of retaliation. And uh, I don't believe at this point, I don't believe that a tit-for-tat war is in the interest of Albertans, Mm. let alone other Canadians. So I don't think it would be beneficial for us in our position for our government to do something like the Bradwell license plate uh, fiasco. Mm -hmm. I think that just um, leads to a degenerating uh, situation, which, you know, again, it's called tit for tat for a yeah. reason. It's, it's not productive. I think what, what needs to happen, and, and um, you know, some, some will likely disagree because they want to see strong muscular action, yeah. but I think uh, the, the Premier, our Premier needs to do two things. One, she needs to um, muster support, ideally, from every other provincial Premier. And make it very clear that no province and no no provincial economy benefits from this type of action. If BC can do this to Alberta over this pipeline, Manitoba can do something to Saskatchewan, Quebec can do something to Ontario, and Ontario to to Nova Scotia. Um, the the attack on free trade and investment and commerce that that is appropriately regulated is a very dangerous one. So I think she should attempt to get support from all the other premiers. Secondly, and very importantly, she needs to exert every ounce of political pressure that she can on the Prime Minister of Canada. This is a crisis uh, of confidence in our ability to do business in Canada. And the Prime Minister absolutely positively needs to be unequivocal in his support for the respect of jurisdictions and the respect of, of the National Energy Board in this case, and needs to come down incredibly hard on British Columbia in order to make it very clear that the government of Canada will not tolerate this type of of action. And the federal government actually does have tools. They wouldn't want to uh, publicize what they could do, but given the, the, the financial relationship between the federal government and provincial governments and the many dealings there, there are actually a lot of things that the uh, Prime Minister of Canada could 
could say to a premier in a um, you know, quiet call that I think would be uh, fairly convincing. And I like that. I bet you a lot of Albertans for sure would love to see something, as you say, more strong-armed. But at the same time, we haven't heard anything from our prime minister. So I'm glad that you're saying, really, ultimately, he's the one who could change things here. Before I let you go, I know you're not a legal expert. I know you're not a political scientist either. But how much do you think this has to play into the fact that right now the NDP and BC is a minority government and they're doing anything they can to maybe appease or build up support within the province? It probably has, has a lot, lot to do with it, but I'd also say that it's very much in, um, in the DNA uh, of this government, of the two parties um, in this coalition, the NDP and the Greens. Yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't think, uh, while it is obviously partly political, I, I, I don't think that it's um, very far from, from their heart. Great insight. Joseph, thanks so much. Very good to talk to you. Take care. Yeah, Joseph Doucette, Energy Specialist. He's a Dean of Faculty of Administration at the University of Alberta. I want to take a break here, and I've got a bit of time on the other side of this break. Just to hear from you, plus at 3.30, I definitely want to hear from you because I've got some thoughts on this whole idea. It's just an idea, I know, but the idea of actually finding people who are warming up their cars, leaving keys in vehicles. We'll talk about that at 3.30, but after the break, your thoughts on what's happening right now between Alberta and BC, 403-974-8255. You know the number to call and text. We'll get to your thoughts after this.